God's glory and His glory alone. If you would grab your Bible, turn to Romans chapter number 13. No matter if you have a hard copy right in front of you or using an app on your phone, be sure to focus on what we're preaching this morning. Don't be on Snapchat, TikTok, and all those different fancy apps this morning. Have a copy of God's Word before you because if you can keep your Bible closed during a sermon, that's a bad sermon. This morning we do exegesis style. We do verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and today will be no different. Today, in fact, we're going to talk about everything that nobody likes to talk about. We're going to talk about religion, and we're going to talk about politics. Ooh. Before you walk out on me, before you cut off the radio, before you leave today, let's look at Romans chapter number 13. We've already seen through all Romans, all the last 12 chapters, our obligations towards God because of what He's done for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died. We know that our obligation is to serve Him. We've seen our obligations towards the church and other believers, even our families and even our enemies. But what are our obligations towards the government? What are our obligations towards those who reign over us? Whatever, what are our obligations towards the magistrates is what the Scriptures put here in chapter number 13. How are we to live our lives in light of what God has already done? Well, let us look in Romans chapter 13. Verse number 1. We begin by reading where Paul is writing to Christians and believers, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. In the next, uh, cha- next, uh, next about uh, 14 verses, we're going to see a pounding from Paul. He is telling Christians to respect the government. Even though there might be some who riot in the streets and burn down businesses, those who protest and those who are angry, those who are attacking other people, those who are bitter and mad, this this is the manifesto for the Christian. This is what Christians are supposed to do. Man, you may not agree. You might be angry. You might be starting an insurgent. You might be rising up as a rebel. You see, our nature is to rebel. We want to fight against the government. We're looking for a reason. We want any reason to fight the government. But here, He has instituted magistrates. No matter if you're a Christian listening here today, here in America, in the congregation at Riverside Church locally, or where you're watching by television internationally, no matter if there's a regime over you, like in China, communist China, you are to respect the government. No matter if you're watching from Venezuela, a socialist government, you are to respect the government because God instituted each government. And you might be a capitalist American, red-blooded, apple pie type, baseball type American. And you might look at communist China as the enemy and believe that they are wicked. And that may be true, but for the Chinese who are under the rule, the Chinese Christian. They are to adhere to the government and honor the government as far as the government goes. Preacher, what are you talking about now? When people read chapter 13, there's usually three different views of chapter 13. But we know that Scripture is not to be, it's not to be a personal uh, interpretation. And it says what it says. This is called hermeneutics. No matter what your opinion is, it says what it says. We've got to remember that Paul is writing to Romans. He's writing to the people who were in the Roman government and it was not popular in Paul's day to be a Christian. In fact, there was a ruler named Nero who was running the government. 
He was the absolute king. He was the emperor. In fact, he would arrest Christians and throw them to the lions for entertainment for the masses in the Colosseum. He would dip Christians in oil and put them in cages in his garden at night and light them on fire and treat them as they were nothing more than human candles. And he would walk the gardens at night as they burned alive above his head. Can you imagine such a suppressing government than the Roman government? But here Paul, on the road to Rome, to appeal his case before Caesar. You must remember Paul was arrested for preaching the gospel. He was arrested and now he was on his way to the capital of the world, which is Rome, to stand before Caesar and that government just to preach the gospel. Paul's idea was not to change the government. His idea was not to bring down statues. And his idea was not to bring laws to favor his viewpoints. His focus was to preach the gospel. Christian, have we gotten so caught up in politics that politics has now become our newest religion, our newest idols. If you ain't voting for my guy, you're going to hell. If you ain't voting for my guy, then bye then. I don't want to be around you. Bye then. You don't vote for my guy. I, don't, I, I believe that you're a sinner and you're going to hell. Many times we think we got to take up the sword to defend Jesus. We got to fight for Christianity. Fight for Christmas. We got to fight for Easter and keep the doors of the church open. We need to remember that God is on the throne. He causes us not to cause a rebellion within a government, but to preach about His kingdom. To preach, our number one focus should be preaching the gospel and heralding the king. Even if we're under a suppressive government, the number one focus of why we're here and what we're supposed to do is preach the gospel. He tells us, let every person be subjected to the governing authorities, even if they're wicked. Even if they're using our tax dollars to kill children. Wait a minute, preacher. What are you trying to say? Are you a pacifist? No, by no means. In fact, I'm almost the opposite of what we're reading here. I'm the type who wants to get my AR and stand on the corner and take out the enemy. But I have to submit to God's Word. And it ain't easy. Let me be, let me be honest. This is not easy to preach. I hate talking about politics. In fact, me and my wife talked about it last night and, and she riled me up and she was riled up and we talked about this candidate. We compared that candidate. We talked about the last 47 years of Roe versus Wade and how one party could have stopped it but they didn't and how the left wing and the right wing are part of the same dirty bird and how there's a fourth, fourth candidate on your ballot and all. We argued about all that. And it would take our focus off the gospel if it could happen to the preacher. It can happen in the pew. Let us focus and remember why we're here and what we're doing. This is called the law of the lesser magistrate. That we're subjected to the government that God put in place. So we must remember, even though there is a president, and that could change, or it might not. No matter who's president, Jesus is king. Some of y'all will be very depressed on November the 5th and 6th and 7th because your candidate didn't win. 
You'll believe all hope is gone. And you'll reassemble for the next rally of war rally cries in the next four years to put your Messiah forward who will believe that will save everybody and do what's best for you because you worship a little Messiah. My hope is not in the Oval Office. My hope is in the throne room of heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father and He intercedes for me on my behalf. I'm a citizen of heaven before I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a citizen that belongs to Christ. This is not my home. I'm simply passing through. But we are called to be subjected to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. Amen. Do you not remember when Jesus turned His head and looked at Pilate after being scourged? He said, you have no authority over me except it was given to you by the Father. Even though Pilate was caving to public opinion and was going to turn Jesus over to be crucified, Jesus subjected himself to that wickedness. And what came from that wickedness? Well, we're here today because of that. Even though we call it Good Friday, it won't good for him. It's good for us, though. Jesus laid himself down for sinners like you. me and you. Who that's so good. And he used the Roman sword to do it. He used a, a, a kangaroo court that was unfair. We talk about how your favorite candidate was put through the ringer for the last four, three or four years and how they tried to impeach him and how they said unjust things about him. Let me assure you that he's flesh and bone and he has flaws and he probably did some of the things he was accused of. And even your candidate now that he's being slandered by the right or he's being drugged through the mud and he is mentally competent. Let me assure you there was only one injustice done throughout the history of the world and that's when they crucified Jesus Christ and said he was a sinner and a liar. Paul tells Christians here in chapter 13 that we are to be subjective to authorities. Because you must remember back in Acts when Christians started preaching the gospel, they turned the world upside down. They had gained a reputation of people who disrupt the norm, who changed the world, the atmosphere, and governments took notice of it. And Paul wanted to put those things at rest, that Christians are not those who are disruptive, that they are not rebellious, they are not those who are angry and bitter, they're forgiving and merciful. But preacher, what about unjust presidents, unjust dictators and rulers? Well, let us read together what he says. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. No matter if it's communist, China, Russia, Venezuela, Mexico, socialism, all those things have been placed by God. They're not out of His reign. He rules and reigns over all the nations of the world. So why does God allow that? Tell me, where were you when He set the foundations of the world? Tell me. Where were you when He stretched out the galaxies with just a word? Tell me. Tell me. Where were you when He caused the ocean to only go so far? Tell me. Surely you know. His ways are not like our ways. And His thoughts are not like our thoughts. God is not a registered Republican. He's not a registered Democrat. He's not a Libertarian. He is God. Therefore, verse number 2, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist 
will incur judgment. Christian, he's speaking to you. Wait a minute, preacher. What about 1776 when uh, George Washington and all uh, the Constitutional Congress rose up against the, the occupation of the English and the, uh, the Spanish and all and started the Revolutionary War? What about that? That's, what's that got to do with you? Let George Washington stand before God on Judgment Day. What will you say? Well, George Washington did this or that. What does the Scripture say to you? Verse 3, for rulers are not, are not a terror to good conduct. We see in verse 3 that Paul is talking about righteous rulers. He's talking about rulers who, de who dealt righteously, who are magistrates, and he even calls them ministers at one point. That these magistrates and people who are governors, mayors, senators, and rulers are doing the bidding of God. Verse 3, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to the bad. Would you have no fear of one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive approval. In a time where we scream, defund the police, and we almost scoff at the idea that a police officer gets shot in the line of duty, and we say, well, they knew that what they were getting into. They knew that that's what they signed up for. And we almost forget the fact that the criminal who gets killed is almost paraded in the streets and say he's a hero. But that's their job. That when they sign up to be a criminal because they decide to be a criminal, that's the job hazard that they face to be killed or shot in the street. And whenever justice comes their way, we're appalled. We can't believe that so-and-so's knee went into the back of their neck and they, their oxygen levels were cut off while they're being arrested, when they resisted arrest. And we say, that was unfair police brutality. But they signed up for that. If you don't break the law, then you have nothing to worry about. Preacher, what are you preaching? Just get in line and do what the authorities say as far as... As far as the government, what is required of the government, give them respect. For even Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 20 says, Don't even think ill towards the king in your thoughts, within your heart, the seated places of your life. Don't even think ill, no matter if it's your guy or the other guy. Don't think ill towards them. For even the seat or the platform garners respect from a Christian. I remember back before four years ago, there was another guy in office and Christians would spit when they said his name. And then we're appalled whenever there is a conservative in the White House and we say, well, you need to respect the office, but you didn't respect it a couple years ago when there was somebody else in. If you can't respect the man, respect the office. That goes if he's black, white, that goes if you're a black or white, brown, Mexican, Canadian, all the cans. It doesn't matter, Puerto Rican. It don't matter. Christian, this is what God has called you to do. Verse 3, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct. If you do what's good and good rulers reign over you, you have nothing to fear. Then do what is good and you will receive approval. In verse 4, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Verse number 4. This by no means is talking about corrupt governments. 
By no means it's not talking about Christian to bow down and take it whenever the government overreaches into the Christian's life. I told you earlier there's three different views when you read uh, Romans chapter 13. One is that the government is completely corrupt as a Christian. You have nothing to do with it. You stay far away from it. Or option two is the government, the state, or the church, state and church are two separate things. That the church is supposed to reign in this spare part of your life and the state in this part of life and there's no overlapping. You almost uh, always hear the phrase separation of church and state. That's not found in our Constitution. That's found in letters written by Thomas Jefferson to a colleague. There is no separation of church and state. But people live like there is. They separate politics and church. And the third option is, is you as a Christian, you're called to change not only your life but, but by believing in Jesus Christ, but also engage the culture. You engage the government. You start running for office as a Christian with Christian values to stand on biblical terms of what saith the Lord. So you will fall either in one of those three categories. And Paul tells us here that those masters just are put in place to be swords for God to, to bring justice. And if you have a skewed view of God, you will have a skewed view of justice. You'll call good evil and evil good. So we do need Christians in politics. We need Christians running for office. We need Christians holding office. We need Christians standing on their convictions and believing in Jesus Christ as the one true God. We need Christians in medical fields. We need Christians in law. We need Christians in entertainment. We need Christians to engage the culture for Jesus Christ. Because we see in verse 4, He is God's servant for good, for your good. In verse 5, Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Christian, you should be patriotic. You should be for your country. Not to the point where it excludes people. Yes, there's a door open. That I, Believe me, I foreclose borders and we should protect. Because I, I, I lock my door at night. I don't know about you. I, I, I protect my borders of my home. I believe in the sovereignty of God, but I also get common sense. Amen. I believe that God's going to protect me, but He also gives me the tools to protect my home as well. Protect my children, watch over my wife. Protect the property that He has graciously given me. I also, I believe that we are to be subjected because we want to avoid God's wrath. That the reputation of the early church was troublemakers. When it's put in print, written to the churches, we can see that Paul was counter-avoiding counter anything that they can be accused of. The insurrectors and the rebellion. Do you remember back in the Old Testament when they were building walls in Jerusalem and Nehemiah? The rumors were around that they're troublemakers. That city has caused a lot of trouble to the king. Now the reputation of troublemaker has now been passed on to God's people, the Christian. The Christian is not so. The only trouble comes is whenever the government believes it's bigger than God. Hear me clearly, which is bigger? God or the government? In a nature and a time whenever the government wants to garner worship, that you're supposed to worship the government. Adhere to the government. Do what we say and command in every scope of life. 
in a time when the government hands out marriage license. Think about that thing. The government has nothing to do with marriage. That's instituted by God. That's the church's job. But the church simply gave it over. I understand that the marriage license and all that stuff is just for tax purposes. But at the point the generations move on and on and believe that people aren't married unless they have a marriage license and have a ceremony at the courthouse because people are starting to believe that the government is bigger than God. Karl Marx, the founder of communism in Russia, he would bring in an orphanage. He would go into the orphanage and he'll, he'll have the children sit at the tables. And he'll say, children, let us pray to God to feed us today. The children would bow their heads here in communist Russia and they would pray to God. And they'll say amen and Karl Marx will look at the children and say, okay children, as you can see there is no bread. Now let us pray to the government. Let us pray to communist Russia, mother Russia to feed us. The children would bow their heads and pray. And Karl Marx would have his officers wheel in wheelbarrows of bread to feed the children. They're indoctrinated to believe that the government will take care of them because God can't. But we're being indoctrinated the same way. We need FEMA to save the day. We need Social Security. That's our net to catch us. We need insurance. We need the government to regulate us, to take care of us. What are we going to do if we don't get our stimulus checks? What's going to happen if the economy starts to teeter and the government doesn't eject a stimulus packet? What's going to happen if the election is put off? What's going to happen if there's riots in the street? Let me tell you what will happen. God will still be on His throne. Our hope is found in Him. Our strength is found in Him. Our identity is not found in the American flag, but it's found in the cross. We are Christians. We stand solely on His promises and believe what His Word says. Amen. Because we see here in verse 5, we do it for the sake of conscience. Knowing that we're not supplanting the government. We're not trying to pray for its demise and we're not causing insurrection and destruction. Verse 6-4, because of this, you also pay taxes. I'll say that again because a lot of people don't like that. They want to skip that part. They can find reasons not to pay taxes. When they take our tax money and, and fund Planned Parenthood, they take our tax money and do this or that. But you do that in your everyday life. Let's be honest. You'll, you'll sin and blame somebody else's sin for your sin. Don't you? Let's be honest. I drink because my wife, she sleeps around. Or I sleep around because my wife drinks. We, we, do all, we, we blame our sins for somebody else's sin when God commands you to pay your taxes. I don't like that part. If you take it up with God, I'm just a paper boy. I deliver the news. I ain't, I ain't the editor. I don't blot that out. I don't have a, a, a sharpie and just mark the parts of the Bible I don't like. Pay your taxes. You're to owe to who stuff is owed to. Pay whatever's due to them. Do you not remember that even Jesus paid taxes? 
I'm going to be honest with you, this is not my favorite part. I don't like taxes. I I think it's theft. I think it's wrong. But it's not what I think. It's so saith the Lord. Pay your taxes. Even if the taxes go beyond where it should be, pay your taxes. But He's taking from me. They're using these things illegally. They're doing against my beliefs. Honor God and honor the King. Pay your taxes. You can wrestle with this all night. You can be angry about this and be bitter and come back tomorrow and read it again for the sake of conscience. Verse 6, For because of this you should pay your taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Jesus paid taxes. You pay taxes. If you read that in Spanish, I can't say it in Spanish. I can't root it in Spanish, to be honest with you. It means pay your taxes. If you read it in Venezuelan, it is pay your taxes. No matter how you read it in French, it don't matter. Even in Latin, Hebrew, Greek, pay your taxes. You can pay them and not like it. <laughs> That's all right. But honor God and honor the government. Verse 7, pay to all what is owed. To them, taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. They're not very respectable though. Do you hear what they say? I don't like their personality. I don't even like them. I don't like the way they look. I don't like the way they dress. I don't like their opinions. Pay to all what is owed. If they're owed respect, it's respect or give them respect. If an officer does you unjustly, treat them with respect. Because let me remind you, there were officers that crucified Jesus. There were centurions ranked in the army, but Jesus never scowled at them. He simply gave himself up. And we can read in 2 Peter, and he gave himself over to God to deal justly with the situation, and he did, and he does. No matter if it's a governor, no matter if it's a mountie, no matter if it's a ranger, an army staff member, or if it's somebody at the DMV, honor who's garnering honor, revenue to where revenue is owed. If you owe somebody and you have the means to pay them, don't hold back, pay them. Respect to whom respect is owed, no matter if it's a judge who's crooked, sitting on a bench, doing despicable things, respect them anyway. You may not respect that person, but respect their office. It may be a pastor you don't necessarily like and don't agree. You might not even agree with what I'm saying, but show respect. And honor to whom honor is owed. These are our obligations as Christians. This is our manifesto. This is our marching orders. I'm not telling you to take a flag and burn it. I'm not telling you to storm the White House and institute a Christian dominion. I'm telling you to submit and honor the order that God has put into place. 
Well, preacher, you sound like a pacifist. And I, this is not my nature if you know me personally. I am all about standing on the principles of God, and even if you've got to do it by force. But I'm submitting to what Scripture says. There's a lot of times when I read in the Bible, I don't necessarily like it. But that's the rough edges of who I am that God is sanding down. Because it's not what I want. Less of me and more of Him. Do you think it's fun to stand up here and say, submit to the government when you see what the government is doing? But this is not my soapbox. It's not what I think. You should know what I think. You should know what Scripture says. You should know my opinion. You should know what God, so saith the Lord, the oracles of God speaking to His people, that we are to submit and show respect and pay our taxes to live humbly. See, I couldn't even hardly say pay our taxes, but I, I said it and I pay my taxes and it ain't fun and I don't enjoy it, but I'm adhering to God and it's just the rebel in me. Let's just be honest. It's the mean me. It's the dead me. The old wretched me that don't want to pay his taxes and I want to use that as an excuse to sin because they sin. Let us not use the excuse before God. When we stand before God on judgment day, and He'll say, why didn't you adhere to my law? I can't say, well, the government's corrupt. God told me to do that. And I stand before Him and I'll have to give an account. The same is true with you, believer. No matter if you're inside or outside. No matter if you've already drove off, you can still get the signal down the road a little bit. You still hear what I'm saying. Pay your taxes. Pay honor to the king. And I know this ain't something that you preach on pastor appreciation. Because pastor, I don't appreciate that. And I don't appreciate me having to preach it. But when you preach it like this, exegesis stuff, you preach the hard stuff. You don't go around it. If I get to preach whatever I want, I will be preaching this. Pay your taxes. Oh. Respect those in authority. Oh. Owe nobody anything but respect. Give revenue to whose revenue was owed. Taxes, taxes to whose is owed. Honor whom honor is owed. I know I didn't get a lot of amens, and I won't even amen this sermon. But it sure is true. For God said it. So Father, we humble ourselves. Lord, it ain't what we want. It ain't even our opinion. Lord, so saith the Lord. We say it at the beginning of every service that Your Word is an authority over us. That You correct us when we need to be corrected. That Lord, we'll honor Your Word and we'll live by what Your Word says. If You command us to do these things, Lord, we will do them. For we are your people. Those who are not your people, they do whatever they want. They can be tax cheats. They can dishonor people who are in authority. They can start insurrections and riots and wars. But as for your people, Lord, we submit to you. But Lord, when that day comes when the government oversteps its bounds, shuts down churches, and say you can't attend church for your safety. Whenever they garner worship, when we're supposed to worship the government and not God, because people may believe one day that government is bigger than God, then we will stand on the foundations of what Scripture says 
For even Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bend the knee when the government called them to bend the knee and worship the government. Nebuchadnezzar threw them into the fiery furnace. Even Daniel did not adhere to the, 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 the laws of the king and say, I only pray to the king, but he prayed to the one true God. Amen. We know that God is bigger than the government, but God causes His people, He commands His people to respect the government. But listen, government, don't you overreach. Don't you get too big for your britches. For God is God and you are not. We are Christians first, then Americans. We adhere to the sovereignty of God. We don't care if America is sovereign or not. God is sovereign. Well, I care. I'm just saying, y'all get what I'm saying. I care if America is sovereign, believe me. I believe in strong borders, strong leadership. But I believe that God is stronger. I believe that God is our leader. And I believe that God is able to help us in our time of need. Don't really know how to end this because we got about five more verses. And we see in verse number eight, I'm not going to go through it, we are owed to no one anything but love. That love is a debt that you continually have to pay. If people continue to pay love, if they continue to pay the debt of love, what's owed of them? They're called to be Christians. And if they're called to be Christians, they're called to love. That's a debt that you owe that God puts on you. If Christians continue to love each other, there wouldn't be so many bickerings fights and anger, bitter conversations on the internet. There wouldn't be riots in the street. There wouldn't be same people having to protest and say black lives matter. If we really love them, they wouldn't have to say that. They know that if we really love the police, we wouldn't have to, we wouldn't have to say that blue lives matter. We wouldn't have to say any of those things because we love them and they could see it. Amen. They're owed love. And they're not getting it. So church, it's it's a claim against us that we're not loving. Continue to love. If we're the people of Jesus, we love because Jesus loves. If we're the people of Christ, we forgive because Christ forgives. We should be the most forgiving people. Even if they don't deserve it. No, especially if they don't deserve it. We forgive. Let us bow our heads and pray. Father, this morning here at Riverside, I'm thankful that we were able to take your scripture and break it down and explain it. Lord, I didn't even dive in as deep as I needed to.